What's going on, everybody? Vintage Breaks Lunch Crew here with you, and it's a different flair this week. We're actually in person. I suggested that we actually eat lunch right. out at a restaurant while doing this, but we yeah. realized we won't have the mics, we won't have the cameras. Mm -hmm. uh, we certainly won't have any of the other accoutrements that we're used to here, the creature comforts. Yeah. Uh, but it is fun to have you here in town, Chris. And even though it is our 11th episode of Trading Card Therapy, excuse me, of the lunch crew, it is, our, in fact, our first one ever in person. In, first and ever in person. And Welcome. you got to be careful because uh, normally if I smart off to you, you can't smack me across the internet or vice versa. Right here, here, no problem. Here, there's consequences, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. Am I going to a chair? I can loosen oh, yeah? up a couple of those bolts. Yeah, right? Right? Chris, watch out on, you know, things in the Northeast here, buddy. Uh, it's, we it's do things a little world. bit different than, than down south. It's, it's a different world. I, I was at my hotel last night, and I'm, I'm, I'm going around the area why in this part of new jersey does everything close at 10 p.m well now you can understand why i don't live in the suburbs in new jersey yeah so you know uh once i kind of got resituated and settled after my divorce as much as like for example i love milburn i love summit mm -hmm. you think 10 o'clock no 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 if you go to dinner at 8 45 they kind of look at you like they give you the stink eye really if it's on like a oh. Tuesday, you know, Thursday night, a little bit more popular. Yeah. You're going out there on a Tuesday, they're kind of like, what the F are you doing here now? Really? In, the sub in, in suburban New Jersey, I feel like that very much so. Well, I'm in the suburbs of Atlanta, and yeah. there is like, things are just getting popping at 9 o'clock. Like, like, you can go, you, you can Hoboken's go. Hoboken's different though. Yeah. But I don't consider Hoboken to be suburbia. Yeah, you can go to a sit-down restaurant at 11 o'clock, no problem, like it's normal. You can do it at a diner. Yeah, yeah, at a diner, but you can do it at... Any place up, up there, really. It's, it's, it, it caught me off guard a little bit, you know. Interesting. So, yeah. Well, happy that you're here. Um, you know, lots to discuss, both, of course, on camera as well as off camera. So I feel like let's get right into it. All right, all right. So when we were talking, when we were talking earlier, one thing, and it's apparent when you walk through the, all of the halls of, of here and you see all the stuff, and you go, man, I can see where this stuff would all get overwhelming and cause a bit of burnout. Sure. And uh, because there is so much uh, to track. I know back when I used to own a store, by the time when it came time not to own a store, I was relieved. I was tired of cards because I had spent a decade doing nothing but cards. Sure. Uh, have, you, have you experienced anything like that? Well, the reason why I wanted to start off today's show with the topic of hobby burnout is because I don't think anyone is able to avoid it, meaning it doesn't really matter if you're a collector, mm -hmm. doesn't matter if you're a dealer, doesn't matter if you're an investor, because there's that saying in life, right? Too much of a good thing could be just that. Mm -hmm. But to be clear, not everything going on in the hobby is always a good thing. And in particular, I know myself, we were talking about this earlier today with you know other team members. So for example, for those that are listening, I still have a Facebook account. My company still have a Facebook account. I spend very small amounts of time on Facebook. Hardly any, actually. And it's not for any other reason other than to protect my peace. Um, I believe that you know you only have so much bandwidth as an individual. And so you're going to see how I'm going to connect this, of course, to the hobby. So I've decided that, hey, IG will have at least some of my efforts there, but even that, it's a little bit too much. And so I feel like it's the same thing with the hobby. So for example, if you like participating in your breaks, so for those that are listening to the show that don't know, 
uh, we own a company called Vintage Breaks, where uh, you know we break seven days a week. We break vintage, we break modern. We're the world leader in set breaks, um, and of course, there are days in which you're a little bit more excited than a different day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think with you just being here about forty eight hours, you can see no one would think you're nuts for for suffering hobby burnout being here because it's it's just nuts. It's all the time. Mm-hmm. It's all encompassing. But I think that. Like anything else in life, right, that we think it's too much of a good thing, I think taking a step back, I think taking a reset, um, breathing in some fresh air, and of course some of these things I'm saying I'm very, I'm being very literal about, other things are being a little bit more metaphorical about it, um, but like for example, one of my notes here, like if I was collecting cards actively, and I am, I just know that to do sets regularly would absolutely, I would burn out. <laughs> Yes. Because it's too many units, it's too much money, and for me, whether it be um, because of that or other reasons behind it, I've absolutely become more of a type collector, but I find it much more enjoyable because, for example, let's just say I'm making it up. I want to have every, not every, I want to have a Hall of Famer from every pre-war, you know, major pre-war set. You can do it, but then what's really fun is you're like, you know what, I don't want the Eddie Plank, I'm going to get this, and you can swap out. Uh, so I think that kind of keeps me from burning out, but I also collect photography, yeah. and I believe photography is absolutely, uh, at least in my eyes, analogous to art, um, and so, you know, beauty's in the eye of the beholder. So for me, I'm not suffering hobby burnout as far as I'm collecting goes, but I absolutely can suffer hobby burnout as far as my businesses go, <laughs> and I know, for example, like, the White Plains shows next week. So if you're in the area, go to the White Plains Convention Center. And the reason I'm bringing it up I know some people, for example, they do 37, literally, 37 conventions a year. We do not do that. <laughs> but we're also live every day of the year, less, what, maybe Christmas and a couple other holidays. Thanksgiving, Christmas, I mean, it's, New Year's it's, Day, it's, it's, a, it. it's a couple holidays. So my point is, depending on how you participate in the hobby, you easily can suffer burnout. But I think that the beginning of a year, the beginning of a time period is always a great time to kind of reassess. And so... I just encourage everyone out there to not keep feeding off of whether it be you're on Facebook, you're on IG. Even if you break with us, we'd love for you to break every day with us, of course. It helps uh, you know our community uh, flourish. But make no mistake, everyone needs a break. And so just when you, when you have that break, kind of like, you know, hit that reset button. And we were talking about, we're going to get into this later in the episode, about some of the things that I'm going to be doing, not just for my collecting but also for my sanity, yeah. uh, you know, this year. And so I can certainly empathize with folks who have either suffered hobby burnout recently or in the past, or they're feeling like they're just slowing down ever so slightly. Um, I think it's a very real thing, but I think it's not much different than if your vice is eating Swedish fish. And I love Swedish fish. Grape ones. Grape they're very rare to find. Yeah, yeah. So don't don't mess around with me. Because if you had grape ones, I would eat a whole bunch today. Yeah. Um, but I know, like, if I ate Swedish fish every day, it would, it would, it would grow old. It would be, like, yeah. yucky. You wouldn't be as excited about it. So what I'm trying to say in a nutshell is do yourself a favor. And if you are suffering some sort of hobby burnout or burnout in your life, take a reset, take a step back, yeah. and it'll still be here in a day, in a week, in a month, et yeah. What do you and think, there's, Chris? There's nothing stopping you from diversifying. 
Really? Like you, you right now you have on a Karma Records shirt. We've I mentioned do. Karma Records time and time again. My sure. diversification is vinyl. Interesting. Like I, I get into old Southern rock. Like I've got a pretty fierce Almond Brothers collection. And uh, I'm coming for that. Yeah, yeah right, right. Yeah, I, I just should have brought some. I know. I would but, like uh, but but you can uh, like you you can you can branch out into different things. And the thing about vinyl, vinyl in and of itself is not expensive. You just got to do a lot of digging. Sure. It can get expensive, but you don't have to sure. expensive stuff. Sure. But like diversifying into vinyl, like if this was the '90s, diversifying into Beanie Babies. Don't do that; they're terrible. Yeah. <laughs> Plus, you get made fun of. You know, and, you know. What are you doing, grown man, collecting Beanie Babies? But, but sure. like, there's all sorts of things. There's comic books. You know. Well, there's a, there's a lot of different ways, and to be fair, you might just say I'm going to take off for a little bit, right? And just enjoy the sport itself. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, I absolutely um, was getting burnt out. With modern sports, like the game, yes. you know, and to be fair, listen, I love the NBA. I could discuss NBA all day long. I'm not really a big fan of the modern NBA. No. Doesn't mean I don't like the NBA. I'm not rooting for its success. Mm-hmm. Um, so my point is sometimes, like, what I'm seeing, am I a little bit burnt out on maybe modern baseball cards? Possibly. Even vintage baseball cards? Maybe. But you know what I'm not burnt out on? Ken Burns documentaries. Right. Learning yeah. about the Negro Leagues. There's an amazing special, I think uh-huh. it was on Netflix. So uh-huh. I'm just saying that there's a way to do the hobby. It doesn't always require a buy or a sell. Correct. It's just about a consuming or a consumption of information. Mm-hmm. Um, or to be fair, talking to a fellow hobbyist and learning about a different right. discipline. And then, I mean, I, I know for me, I don't generally, even if I learn about a new particular niche, I don't start buying and selling right away. I'm uh-huh. like very much in the data. What's going on? What does this stuff sell for? Who sells it? Yeah. Is this stuff, or does this stuff get authenticated? Does high grades matter? Uh-huh. So on and so forth. So for those, you'll use a tool like uh, Card Ladder and go in and dive into their analytics, or how do you formulate your? Uh, I would say literally anything from Card Ladder to one thirty point to VCP. And by the way, and I was just talking about this with J Five earlier, and I love all these places, but nothing's perfect. No. no. So. In particular, you know, I love REA and Heritage for vintage. Now, it doesn't mean that Mile High, doesn't mean Golden doesn't have vintage. But, like, when I do research, I was doing some research on some worldwide gum gowdies, which are not easy to yeah. find, and they trade very infrequently. So, J5 gave me an evaluation, and I'm like, you know, I think I can do a little better in terms of pinpointing exactly what these are worth. Mm-hmm. And I explained to him afterwards. I said, you didn't do anything wrong. You probably don't realize. I already know they're thinly traded. You know they're thinly traded. You probably didn't think to look at Heritage's completed auctions and literally just put in Worldwide Gum into the search bar. Yeah. And if you're a member of HA.com, you get free access mm-hmm. to all their completed auctions. Well, REA is even cooler. You don't have to have an account. All you have to do is literally just go to their, their site. On the left-hand column, you can select either um, just the current auction or all of their archives. And so what I do is I'll put in Worldwide Gum, let's say Babe Ruth, and then if that um, if it's set to just that last auction, I'll change it to all auctions. Then it's not perfect. You click on the upper right, recent bids. So then it will be the most recent items that you're looking at as you scroll down. Yeah. Um, so listen, I definitely do exhaustive research, especially when cards are four and five figures. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I actually find it in some cases, we're talking about highly burnout, and we'll move on to the next topic, that when you're suffering that burnout, like my son loves Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. So I thought about buying a couple of the early play sets. <laughs> Haven't bought anything. Yeah. But I can tell you, it is absolutely fascinating, and it's really fun to go out on eBay and see, like, 
wait a minute, I remember this place set. And you're like, oh my God, it's only $480. Or, or it is $4,800. No effing way, we're getting this. <laughs> That's my point is like, it's really fun sometimes when you're suffering this burnout to go over to, you know, I'm reading a bunch of different books, nothing to do with, you know, collecting. Um, but if you kind of still are, are, if you will, jonesing for that, hey, collecting bug, I really, I find it very gratifying to move outside of what I know well and start to do the research. Because it's fun. I'm still yeah. a collector at heart. Yeah, that's what I'm doing with vinyl. Yeah, like, like yeah, it's it's the same thing. You know, like all this Ninja Turtle stuff. I used to have them as a kid too, so, so that's yeah. probably really freaking cool. Oh, it's, some yeah. of the stuff's really cool. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny. Speaking of vinyl, I'm absolutely going to be buying vinyl, but I'm waiting to live in a bigger place. Yeah, because I want to have a turntable. Okay. Uh, I don't want to have. Once again, I'm not going to be buying records necessarily for investment. Maybe later on. Yeah. But um, I have started buying music memorabilia. Right. Because I'm a big fan of not just, of course, the Allen Brothers. But whether it be it's Dave Matthews, whether it be it's Led Zeppelin, when I start to consider what some of that memorabilia sells for in relation to a seventh year Roberto Clemente in high grade, I'm like, I just don't see that much in the way of music memorabilia in terms of something that means something to me. Uh, and so even if it's not an investment, it's still going to make a great piece on the wall, a great talking point during a party yeah. or a family get together. And uh, like I said, these are all different ways, folks, that if you're suffering, and to be fair, we don't actually mean card or memorabilia hobby burnout. I guess it could really mean any hobby burnout in any of your respective hobbies. There's not much difference. A hobby's a hobby, you know. It could be building model cars, which my dad did most of his life. He got burned down on those. Sure. So, you know, he just moved on to something else. My dad got burned down on Lionel trains as a kid. Right. It yeah. can happen to anybody. So, quick story about Lionel Trains. I thought if you had a Lionel Train, I almost thought it was like, hey, if you have an 06, T206, you get rich. Yeah. I thought if you had Lionel Trains, like, you had a lot of money. Yeah. And, of course, you learn they're very nuanced. Yeah. They got to be sealed. They got to be the right series. They got to be the right track. Or this, that. It's a whole thing. But it was still fun to learn about. Yeah. Yeah, I bet. I bet. My dad was, uh, he had kind of the same concept. Because back then, like, movie memorabilia models, like, Okay. Or ERTL would put out a rare version of the General Lee, and if he thought he thought if you had that, you know that that would be millions of dollars down the road. Sure. He was right; it would be collectible, but that number is like four hundred dollars, not four million. Well, it's still very cool, and, and I, I do like the, that those kind of like toy car models and stuff. Yeah. See if Cross ever gets into them or not. Um, but I want to move on to the next topic, and this one, of course, is something that I'm very interested in. As you mm -hmm. know, I love vintage uh, unopened. Um, and in a way, it is self-serving to discuss because we do open a lot of vintage unopens um, at Vintage Breaks. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I wanted to kind of share with people what I see going on out there right now. And certainly, if you see the same thing or if you see the exact opposite, let us know in the comments because we'd like to know. So, you know, during the, call it COVID run-up of our hobby, vintage wax prices went out of control. Oh, yeah. Now, they are still very high. But things that are just a tad easier to get, like 1984 Tops football, mm -hmm. right? They've come down a little bit in price. But what's interesting is if you look at what the Gem Mint, i.e. PSA 10, SGC 10, whatever your grading company of choice is, BGS 9.5, the stars, rookies, and Hall of Famers from, and I'm specifically saying 70s and 80s because... Mm -hmm. Opening vintage from the 60s and earlier is very, very 
difficult to do, almost non-existent. Even though, for example, at VintageBreaks.com, we have a 1967 Tops Rack Pack for sale by the spot at 525 per spot. Of course, it's the Mickey Mantle series, which is really exciting. But make no mistake, make no mistake, that is absolutely not the regular of what yeah. we are able to often oh, able to open very often. It's usually 70s and 80s. Mm -hmm. But we've been talking about this. We're noticing that even though the prices came down in some cases on some of these these wax boxes or packs, the cards themselves in gem mint condition are selling for silly money. And in some cases, because the gem mints are going for really big money, then the mints or the mint pluses, because SGC does have the mint plus grade, are also selling for good money. So what I wanted to share with you, really, whether it be you open these packs on your own, whether it be you're in a little group that you just maybe get together once a week or once a month and you just open them for your everyone's own enjoyment, mm -hmm. um, or, of course, if you participate here at Vintage Breaks, um, opening vintage packs with us. And to be fair, there's other folks who open vintage packs. I am highly encouraging you to pull any card that is a star, Hall of Famer, um, or a rookie card that is well-centered and you think you have a chance at a 9+, plus. I'd put them all in a group bulk sub to PSA. And the only reason I'm saying PSA is because they generally sell for the most. Not always, but they generally do. Mm -hmm. And what I found personally, that when I submit quality in a package of cards, I'm going to get graded. Not always, because sometimes you get, I've heard this, the grader of death, yeah. right? But generally, Chris, and I'm curious if you feel this, if you lead them to a certain group of grades, generally they'll be there. I mean, they're human. The graders are human. And yeah. They're looking with the same tools you have, just maybe better lighting and better knowledge. So if you submit to them 10 cards that you think are all 10 candidates, the odds, you, you're improving your odds with every one just because it's a different iteration of the card, right? You know, they may say, hey, this one's the best of these ten, so why would it not, you know? I mean, just your mind leads you there without even thinking of well, it. Well, that's my point is that folks who are either opening these packs on their own uh -huh. or they're opening with us here at Vintage Breaks or, to be fair, with other breakers. Uh -huh. And I didn't get to the low-pop commons, but low-pop commons are much more difficult to identify because yeah. unless you know it off the top of your head, you literally have to seek out the information from the pop report, which is why I was talking about on my wish list on my 51st episode of Trading Card Therapy, I would really love to have a universal pop report. Right, yeah. PSA doesn't want that to happen, I don't believe. Um, you know, they're very protective of their data. I understand that. But in terms of, once again, just a simple wish of what I would like and I think would make an amazing tool for others, a universal pop report would, would bring a lot of good uh, information to what cards you should potentially grade or not grade out of an issue. <clears throat> but getting back to center, as far as what cards I would pull, I think it's pretty simple. If you're opening up, like 1982 Tops Baseball is not difficult. No. But Lee Smith rookies and PSAs tend to sell for big money, and of course Kyle Ripken rookies already do sell for big money. I don't know, like the pop report and the Kent Herbeck, Jesse Barfield might be in there, and, and some others, Steve Sachs. But I'm telling you, you'd be surprised at what some of these cards, Dave Rigetti, you'd be surprised at what some of these PSA 10s, a George Brett, what is that, a seventh year? Yeah. Some of the PSA 10s are going to sell for hundreds. Some of them might actually sell for north of $1,000. 
depending on which, of course, uh, issue it is. The Ryan is four figures in that. I believe it is, too. Yeah, the Ryan. We didn't get to Ryan, Pete Rose, you know, yeah, all the, yeah, yeah. The, the higher end, you know. Yeah. Because remember, we did say stars, Hall of Famers, mm-hmm. rookies, but the reason I was mentioning some of these rookies is I feel like people think it's got to be the Lee Smiths, it's got to be the Cal Ripkins, but it's, sometimes it's not. I would never think of grading a Dave Getty, but you're right. Dave Getty's had a big impact on the game. By the way, 81 tops for an MML as well, at least when I checked last time. I don't think there was any 10s. Yeah. yeah. So, like, a well-centered 9 would go for good money on that card. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, my point is, this is just almost like a public service announcement. Um, if you're, <clears throat> excuse me, opening up vintage packs, even if they're not with us, even if they're on your own, even if you don't want to grade the cards right away, and this is what I wanted to make sure I drilled home, take care of them. Mm-hmm. Put them in card savers, put them in penny sleeves. And I'm not talking about the non-centered versions. Because yeah. non-centered versions, although, yes, if you pull the big rookie of that particular year, will still have some value. Make no mistake. If you have a mint 1982 Tops Nolan Ryan, but it's way off center, it's just not be worth that much money. No. So, do yourself a favor. If you're opening these cards... Even if you don't want to grade them, just take care of them. Sleeve them and store them. Only the gradable or the possible gradable examples. You could always come back to it later, uh, quarterly, semi-annually, annually. You could ask our uh, us here. We'll be happy to help you and guide you. Yep. We had a team meeting earlier today. You know, we want to see people win. So if you need help figuring out how to win with grading, let us know. Drop a note in the chat. We will be here for you. My uh, cell phone number is at the top of every BB South broadcast. I'm brave enough to do that. And that's for people to ask questions. You're very brave. Very brave, very brave. But, like, you know, this information is going to change the way I break. Because I'm thinking about when I'm opening a pack, I go, oh, yeah, that's a great George Brett, but I don't really spend a lot of time on it, even if Oh, I know. Fair. That's why I'm bringing it up, my so, friend. I remember so, I said it was self-serving. Yes. I'm partly giving you some free right. professional advice here, sir, as one uh-huh. of our lead breakers for Vintage Breaks. Now, listen, I know I have more vintage experience than you, yeah. so we're not going to, like, smack you around. Yeah, yeah. But... Close enough to do it right now. Right? I know that. But, you know, you got to keep in mind... You start to do it more and more. You see, like, even the 1983 top set, which, you know, is a, an amazing set, and, of course, it's headlined by three fantastic rookies, Glenn Boggs and Sandberg. But, like, the 83 tops Cal Ripken, I love that Reggie Jackson card. These are cards now in PSA 10 are real money. Real money being north of $100. Depending on the cards, it could certainly be north of $500, $1,000. And I'm not saying, by the way, that you should open the packs to get these cards, because that's not what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm saying that if you already are in the hobby, you have the itch, you like opening these yourself, you like opening them with us, you like opening them with a different breaker, you like getting together at your library every third Tuesday and doing it with the vintage breaks uh, or the vintage card community, I think it's awesome. I know myself, I'm guilty of this. Think about how much 1986 Todd's baseball I personally oh, ruined God. a ton. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, and I don't know what the Ryan sells for anymore. I personally got a few tens on that Ryan from 86 Tops that sold for north of $2,000. And so if it doesn't cost you that much extra time, money, and effort, energy, and you already like cards anyway, just sleeve up from the vintage packs you're opening, the stars, the rookies, the Hall of Famers, and you can always deal with them later. But as soon as they get dinged up, knocked around, they're just not going to be worth that much to anyone else. So with that... Wanted to let you know that normally we have some cards for sale yeah. every Lunch Crew episode. But we decided today, because 
we are in each other's company here, uh, live, that we are going to take advantage and just produce more content, talk about a few extra topics, and we will, of course, bring back selling cards and offering them for sale to the tune of Two Vintage and Two Modern every week here on The Lunch Crew. Right, right. That'll be back next week. Yep. So, yeah. Uh, but another segment we all, we also have, we talk about new releases. Yes. And we, we, we are going to talk about it today, but in a nuanced way. We are, yes. What do you got? So, it, it's another one of those weird lull, lulls in the calendar. There's not much coming out. There's there's a Bowman's Best release coming out. Yeah, I think we should baseball. be getting a few cases. Yeah, it's going to be hot, it's, but it's going to be Bowman's Best. There are never any surprises in Bowman's Best. Well... I uh, say never. There was in 2022 when they put Wander Franco oh, yeah. and uh, Julio Rodriguez and, and guys that weren't supposed to be up yet. Sure. They put them numbered as part of the base set in Bowman's Best. Yeah. That was a mistake. Outside of mistakes, sure. there's not a whole lot of nu- nuances with Bowman's Best. But the product everybody's talking about right now is a product that kind of fell flat last year is uh, Topps Chrome University Basketball. Okay. And it fell flat last year because Wimbayama was only available in limited limited um, form. They had some autographs of Wimbayama in there, and that part did really well. But if you're opening those boxes trying to hit Wimbayama base cards, because if you're opening, you want to hit base cards. Sure. That's the whole, the, like, like that, that's the floor of breaking. That that helps you justify the cost of, break, of breaking that box. And the Wimbayamas were very scarce. It was a, it was a uh, grayed-out parallel. That was honestly just looked like it had been every copy I ever saw looked like it, they played um, air hockey with it on a table. Um, but this year the chase is uh, Bronny James, LeBron's kid. Now LeBron's kid is not like a top tier prospect, but it's still LeBron's kid. And they have a dual autograph with LeBron and Bronny on it. That's Any cool. LeBron collector will want that card Definitely. immediately. Not only that. You also have LeBron posting on Instagram that he's got a new deal with Fanatics. So it points to the future of Topps cards. And not even like, we know Fanatics does not want to waste any time with this. We know they want to go now. Mm-hmm. So the rumor, and this is a, like, a, if it was just a rumor from nowhere, I wouldn't even bring it up. But this is like a well-substantiated rumor that I'm hearing from people that would know that this year, there's going to be a Topps, Topps Chrome set with LeBron autos in it, and the autos are going to be retro style. Which is awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Imagine pulling a 96 Chrome style LeBron auto. Right. Yeah, yes, please. Yes. Yes, please. Can I have another? Yes. Yes. Now, it won't have the Cavaliers ah. marking. It won't have the doesn't matter. Marking. It doesn't matter. How about a 93 finest retro refractor of LeBron signed? Right. That's hot. That is hot. Like, uh, like, and they also have Wimbayama on board with this. That's very cool. They have a few other prospects they can use, and uh, we'll be on. We'll, we'll be with you in just just a moment there, Mr. John, Mr. J. John oh, Five. Yep. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, it's it's a um, this is a chance for fanatics to get their hooks into the, in, even farther into this niche without. As we talked about previously, damaging Panini too much. I don't think they should be trying to to, to to damage Panini too much because they're only damaging their own niche by doing exactly. So. If with this this set would be additive, and it would it it it. it, it I'll be honest. Be I didn't quite understand. When we talked about it earlier, and now I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's like you know. Listen, people got 
a little bit crazy when the PMGs released again, mm-hmm. like in the old styles. Yeah. Are you kidding me? So first of all, just because of you know what happened with the business, LeBron wasn't allowed to be. Yeah. You know, and the so the fact that we're hearing about these retro and remember the tops chrome and tops finest in basketball is such a rich history. Mm-hmm. There's wonderful retro designs to do. Refractors, auto refractors, there'll be supers for all these, supers or one-on-ones for those that don't know. Well, listen, it's interesting because as you said, although it is maybe a slow new release week, we called it the LeBron Impact as our third topic to discuss and really couldn't be any more pumped. What's so cool is even if you don't care about breaking it, I'm just excited to be able to go to the store like, my son knows who Bronny James is. My son knows who LeBron James is. Yeah. I'm not saying we're going to pull one, but we're going to be excited. And listen, at the end of the day, we're talking about hobby burnout as the first topic today. If you can't be excited doing this, you should take a break. So I'm excited about it. I know you're excited. We're going to see um, where it goes. We got two more things to cover. Let's do the first one, which is super fast. Really interesting. We had one of our resident vintage card experts in here earlier today. Just totally on a whim. He's like, Late, did you hear about this new variation? And I'm like, what are you talking about? You know, with the 1973 Topps Al Band-Aid on his head variation. So before we get into it, I'm like, you know what? Did someone just make this up? Did someone at home, like, draw a Band-Aid on Mr. K-Line's head? And, you know... I really am asking the community because I'd like to know what's going on out there that these error discoveries are still happening. What is it? Nearly fi- about 50 years later after the set was issued. So is someone sitting there like, you know what? Today I'm going to look at every single 1973 tops Al K line that's out there. Yeah. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I'm looking a little bit more closely, and I think the guy's got a Band-Aid on his head. The joking aside, which we're going to show the K-Line in a minute, how does anyone out there think that these legitimate, because this is a legitimate variation, why the F do we not find these like 48 years earlier, dude? How how has PSA not seen this? They look at this card. I see it as clear as day. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, for those that don't know, the 1973 Topps K-Line comes with either a Band-Aid on his melon, on his forehead, or without. Yeah. And apparently, the ones with a Band-Aid are gone for big money, the variations. Because they're rare. Like, I looked, I only saw a few on eBay. Now, it's not impossibly rare. So my buddy comes in, and he's like, late, he wanted me to check him out. I'm like, did you have one? He's like, no. So now I'm even more excited. Forgot the money. I want to be able to go and find my 73s. I'm like, dude, I just looked. Thanks so much. I found three of them. Dinner's on me next time. Right? You know, who knows? But anyway, this is yeah, that's just asking price. Yeah, I know. Um, still. <laughs> we wanted to share this with you because really for us it was breaking news. I had not known about it before today. And if you're listening to this video, please let me know out there. Are you on the precipice? Are you on the verge of finding the next Band-Aid? Variation such as a 1973 Tops Al Kaline. You better get your mush out and start looking. Yep. You're gonna somebody's gonna find a Rocky Calavito variation. Who knows? <laughs> All right. So last topic is something that we've talked about before. I do feel like in a way it ties to the first topic today of hobby burnout, and 
Also, my buddy was in today helping us sort stuff and go through some vintage cards. And, you know, we always talk about, hey, how's grading been? Do you pick up anything cool? And we're like, you know, what's kind of like your goal for this year? And I went first. I'm like, listen, man, I got, and I'm certainly not proud of this. I think we're up to about six storage units. <laughs> Other than the few thousand square feet we, of course, have in the office. And I'm really, I'm not proud. Um, and we were joking, like, well, how do you get the stuff sold, like, faster? And so, at the very least, I know what I'm doing for me and the team here. I'm making an effort every day. Because as much as you think, I'm going to come in on a Saturday, I'm going to bang out three hours. If you just do three hours every once in a blue moon, you will not make substantial progress. Nope. So, my bit of advice to everyone is, whatever you want to do for the hobby, if you want to thin your own herd, if you want to complete a set, if you want to begin an amazing photo collection, start right away, do a little bit at a time. And for me personally, and I think a lot of folks will find this, if you're doing it properly and you're thinning the herd and you're raising revenue, you're raising proceeds, all of a sudden now, you're like, you know, I'm going to go for such and such. I'm going to buy a vinyl record. I'm going to go out of my niche. I'm going to spend 200 bucks. I'm going to bring in some nice records from Karma Records, or for that matter, you know what? I've been meaning to go away for a weekend. I really don't want to spend 500 bucks in a hotel or a getaway. Right. So I just I want people to understand that to me, it's not like always that the hobby is funding another purchase, <laughs> right? Because yeah. let's be honest, we funded our hobby. We seeded it with all this money to start. There's nothing wrong with taking a little out yeah, to yeah. pursue another niche, to go away, to buy your son or significant other a gift um, that's unsolicited. Or, you know, like I've been trying to talk you into going to uh, Jason Isbell, Dave Matthews in Cancun. That could be a thing. Absolutely. You give me some free <laughs> tickets, you know, I'm game. Uh, but speaking of concerts, I'm going to close out super pumped. So my, my son, is a, he's, he really likes Ed Sheeran. You know, nice. he knows his songs. He yeah. like, knows the words. He's really into it. He tells people he's a fan. He, like, listens to the music. Um, and he's seen him once with his mother, and I've been, you know, looking around to either take him there or to Coldplay, and Coldplay's in Italy this summer, so, you know, maybe that'll be a fun trip, but certainly a long shot. Um, Ed Sheeran is highlighting or, or headlining, I guess, like a three-day music festival right near Harvard uh, University's campus, and it's Memorial Day weekend. Uh-huh. I'm going with Kraz. We're going to see Ed Sheeran on that Friday night, and certainly not because we sold some baseball cards, but... My point is, if you needed an impetus, if you needed a driving factor to do something, figure out what that thing is that you want to buy. That Allman Brothers record, the concert you want to attend, nice dinner you want to go out to, the weekend getaway. And then all of a sudden, it, you'll be a little bit more motivated to thin your own herd. Right. Very grateful and appreciative for each and every one of you, of course, for listening uh, to our 11th episode of The Lunch Crew. You can find us each and every week with a show being dropped about Thursdays. But Chris, tell them where they can find our archive, how they can access it, if they can't get enough of, of course, the Lunch Crew. Well, I mean, the best way is vblunchcrew.com. If you go to vblunchcrew.com, it's going to show you it's, it's, it's going to show you this nice little design that yours truly did. You know, nice. We might have some new graphics like coming in. Yeah, this is good. And uh, up here you see a Listen Now button. Excellent. This is going to take you to all the individual episodes. And from here, 
Subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. It's going to pull up links to iTunes Beautiful. and Spotify. You can watch natively on the browser. Uh, that looks like Post Gummy needs to shave Gilmore. Yep. I, I, <laughs> it always captures the worst expressions, doesn't it? I know. It's like, hello, why is my mouth wide open and my, my eyes look like they're closing? What are you doing, man? Get us some better chops. Uh, I need, need to go pick the thumbnails better on yeah. YouTube. Or after our buddy Joe Ferguson. He'll help yeah, us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But this has a rundown of uh, like like a little write up of every episode of what's going on. That's cool. And, Good job. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, if you enjoy this kind of content, and you want to check out other hobby related content. I do a weekly podcast called Trading Card Therapy. We are fifty one episodes in. Our last episode was really interesting. It was my hobby wish list for two thousand twenty four. Check it out on Spotify. Check it out on Apple. If you're a YouTube person, it is on our Just Collect YouTube channel. You can actually watch it as well as listen. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.